Hello, everyone, and welcome. I'm very happy to have Jerry Kane as my guest today. Jerry has devoted over 25 years helping families achieve their goals of protecting their wealth and is dedicated to assisting families with special needs. He has over 3,000 clients and is a certified specialist in estate planning, trust, and probate law. As a parent of a special needs daughter himself, he understands the real world and the financial aspects of caring for a child with special needs. This experience enables him to not only relate to other parents, but to ensure that the plans his clients create consider the real-world aspects, including guiding how they live, where they live, selection of caretakers, sporting activities, religious activities, and more. Jerry has served on many boards, including the Dubnoff Center, a pioneer in the area of special education. He has also served on hospital boards and is currently serving on the board in the Southern California National Academy of Elder Law Attorneys. He is an in-demand speaker for bar associations and for many special needs support groups. His book, titled Financial and Legal Planning for a Lifetime of Care and Support of Your Special Child, will be published soon. Welcome, Jerry, and thank you so much for joining me today to discuss the importance of proper financial planning for your loved one with special needs. Oh, thank you, Gilda, and uh, so excited to, to be here on this podcast and to um, help so many families and parents out there um, get a little bit of guidance and education. To begin with, uh, tell me, why is helping parents with special needs a passion for you, and what are some of the things that can be accomplished with special needs planning? Well, that's actually two questions, but uh, I'll answer them in order. Um, the first question, you know, need to go through a little bit of, of the history of my family um, and why it's such a passion is that, you know, my oldest daughter, she was five when she was officially diagnosed with autism. Uh, before that, doctors thought she was bipolar, and, you know, we knew she had some difficulties socializing and making eye contact. Uh, well, she was having all kinds of tantrums, and for those of you that have individuals who have special needs, you know what I'm talking about, and all kinds of behavioral issues. Her teachers told us that she might be opt op autistic, but, you know, I wasn't open to hearing that at the time and refused to accept that I was bringing a child into the world who might have problems. Classic denial. Um, my first wife, she was a lot more accepting of it, and she knew something was off long before that, and she had come to accept it. Um, our second daughter was born a few years later, and um, we knew the challenges that laid ahead of us. Uh, we knew how challenging it was going to be to parent a child with autism. Um, and, you know, we may have decided that if we had known about those challenges and all the difficulties, you know, that one child might have been enough of a handful, uh, let alone two children. Um, and the, you know, some of the challenges we faced is it caused a lot of stress on our marriage. We were constantly stressed out and, you know, uh, financial stress. And, um, you know, my wife, uh, she, she passed away and um, I did remarry uh, nine years ago. You know, and and while I was married with my first wife, we wanted to assist my daughter and, you know, provide her the best ability and how to get, you know, assistance with so many services that were needed because she was, you know, needing sensory integration, um, 
IEPs and IPPs and physical therapy and behavioral therapy and equestrian therapy, respite care and regional centers and all this stuff. And, um, you know, I, I understand what parents are going to go through or um, have already gone through. So I'm able to really relate to them. And that's why it's something that's been really near to my, near and dear to my heart. And then when my wife was finally diagnosed with cancer, it made things even more challenging. Um, I remember sitting in a Laker game and in the middle of the game, she turned to me and she had a lump and it was painful. And we went to the doctor and it turned out to be thyroid cancer, but not papillary anaplastic. It was kind of a weird type of cancer that required a lot of research and many trials. And after three battles, uh, three years of battling with it and countless doctors and hospitals and surgeries and chemo, uh, my first wife of 16 years passed away. You know, I felt helpless. I was there day and night with her. I, I knew I wasn't going to be able to save her. And, you know, uh, and she was ill. Our relationship changed. I became her caregiver. Um, so not only was I caregive, caring for a child who had special needs, I was also caring for my wife at the same time. And you can imagine the stress that that would take. Oh, um, my goodness, yes. So, you know, this whole experience, you know, has really given me the education to offer advice on topics and that, that really need to be addressed. Um, and, you know, my, my, wife, my, my life evolved and so did my practice. Um, I really enjoy helping people to solve the problems and help them navigate this very complex system. And as I already mentioned, you know, I truly can relate to parents, the stress that it causes, and all of the, the financial burdens, the, um, you know, having to race around from IEPs to IEPs to all these different things that there's just not enough time in the day to think about planning for today, let alone think about, you know, the challenges that we need to face later on um, and planning for those things as well. And what the, to answer your second question, um, what can be accomplished with special needs planning? Um, there, there's so many things that special needs planning accomplishes. Um, first of all, it's ensuring that we provide financial security, whether it's with your own assets or whether it's um, finding a way to fund a lifetime of support and care. Um, the nice thing about our practice is we do take a holistic approach because not only am I an attorney, I'm able to look at the financial aspects as well because I'm also a financial planner as well. So we can integrate all of the financial aspects into the legal plan and make sure that we have a comprehensive plan. We're also able to, you know, make sure we've chosen the right guardians. Um, we can, you know, provide leverage for any means-tested public benefits which for those that don't know what that means, that means, you know, basically there's certain benefits that your child might be entitled to, um, such as SSI or Medi-Cal. And so we're able to leverage those benefits, making sure we have the proper team in place to provide a lifetime of management, provide for appropriate housing, um, and really make sure that we have an ongoing system for advocacy and that's one of the, the biggest issues is most time when people plan, they don't plan for, um, they're only looking at the short term. They don't realize that they need to design a plan that's going to need to work for the next 30 to 50 years. And so a lot of times the planning that a lot of people do fails because they haven't taken into account 
what kind of advocacy is going to need to take place and how much the financial burden is going to be for the next 30 to 50 years. Um, those are some of the things. There's a whole other list I can go through, um, planning for caregiving needs, coordinating extended families planning, protecting assets from, from predators, preserving assets for other heirs. Um, there's just so many different things. And, you know, the biggest thing is ensuring that, you know, if your child isn't here, that they're going to have the necessary resources, including government benefits such as SSI and Medi-Cal, uh, possibly life insurance to fund to fund their uh, plan and a system of advocacy. Well, what about medical decisions? What uh, what are some of the things that you must do to continue to be able to make medical decisions for your child with special needs once once they become eighteen? Well, that that's a good question. You know, the most people don't realize this, but when you turn 18, you are considered an adult, whether you're able to face the decisions of the world on your own or not, you're an adult. So whether you have a disability or not, um, you have to put in place a healthcare directive in order for somebody to make medical decisions if you're unable to. Now, for parents or loved ones who have an individual who has autism um, or any kind of disability, um, a lot of times they want to be able to continue advocating on their behalf and continue being able to make medical decisions for them, but um, the law says they're considered an adult. So that means that you're unable to make those decisions for them. You're unable in some cases to even speak with doctors or get confidential records due to medical privacy laws. So in, in, if your child does not have the legal ability to sign a health care directive, you have to go into court and establish what's called a conservatorship, or in this case, a limited conservatorship um, that will allow you to take over and continue to manage their health care decisions. Also, it can allow you to um, basically look at, you know, seven different powers, but they include the ability to sign contracts on your child's behalf, um, determine their, their residence, um, determine education, um, whether they can get married or have marital relations, um, are some of the things that also are, are granted in a limited conservatorship. Can you also talk about something called a special needs trust that is used to protect assets for your child with special needs and disabilities? I sure can. <laughs> so, yes. You know, a, a special needs trust, you know, trust sounds like a, a big, scary word. A lot of people these days have a trust. And, you know, a trust is just, just kind of like a box that holds assets. Um, and you provide a system of management um, in that box. And you also figure out how you're going to fund that box and how you're going to provide advocacy um, ongoing. There's a special kind of trust, for a better word, um, that's called a special needs trust. It also goes sometimes by a supplemental needs trust. doesn't matter what it's called. Um, it's basically a trust that's designed in a way to protect government benefits that your child might be relying on, such as um, such supplemental security income or Medi-Cal, because these programs have strict asset and income limitations. And if those limitations are, 
are exceeded, that's going to disqualify your child from benefits. So if you were to leave your child assets directly um, and now they have assets that exceed the, the limits, which are currently $2,000, um, that can result in a loss of those benefits. Now, a lot of times, um, you know, SSI doesn't provide for a whole lot. Um, SSI in California provides for approximately $900 a month. I don't think anybody can live off of $900 a month in California. Um, yeah, that would be pretty tough. Yeah. <laughs> So the question is, you know, if you're going to be able to leave enough assets to your child, why do we really care about the SSI? The reason is is that if you have $1 of SSI, you automatically qualify for Medi-Cal. And Medi-Cal, in some cases, can provide a whole host of, of, of medical care and, in some cases, be the only form of medical insurance that your, your child is relying upon. And losing the Medi-Cal can be even more critical than losing their SSI. Um, so those are the reasons why, you know, even if you're able to leave significant assets, sometimes you want to protect those, those government benefits. And so it's a special kind of trust that's authorized by law that if the assets go into this trust, that those assets are not considered their assets and there's no loss of benefits, but the assets in the trust can be used for their benefit um, and for whatever needs that, that they require. And also, as I've already mentioned, it provides for a ongoing system of advocacy. Because again, you know, figure if your child's 20 or 30 years old, um, you know, that you may need to have this in place for the next 50, 60 years. So you need to have a system of advocacy in place to continue the great job that you're doing as a parent for your child. What about something called an ABLE account, A-B-L-E, an ABLE account that has recently become available in California? I know it was available in other states, but it's now available in California. Can you talk about that a little bit as well, please? Sure, yeah. Um, ABLE stands for the, um, you know, the Stephen Beck Achieving a Better Life Experience Act. And what it does is that it, it allows a semi-independent adult who has disabilities um, or even a parent or guardian on their behalf to be able to save a certain amount of money without jeopardizing their government benefits. And currently, you can put away $15,000 a year up to $100,000 in it without affecting SSI and um, up to the, whatever the state maximum is without affecting Medi-Cal. So you can go over $100,000, you'll have a loss of SSI, but you won't lose Medi-Cal with assets in an ABLE account. In addition, you know, the money that goes in there um, grows inside the account uh, tax-deferred, tax and as long as the money comes out for qualified expenses, then those, those, those assets are also tax-free when they come out. Um, uh, basic living expenses and other expenses, which um, are you know things like education, housing, transportation, employment, training and support, health preserve, health prevention, wellness, financial management, administrative services, uh, of course, legal fees and and funeral and burial expenses are all all included under those basic limiting expenses. 
And, and also, if you're working, you can put away some additional of your own income into the ABLE account. You know, we actually, when I do presentations, we actually spend, you know, 20, 30 minutes talking about all the rules about ABLE accounts because there's, there's quite a few rules. But for those of you that are familiar with 529 plans, the 529 educational plans, ABLE accounts work um, very similarly to the way a 529 plan works. Well, you mentioned something that's very interesting, that uh, if you go over the $100,000 mark in that account, you might lose SSI but not your Medi-Cal, but I thought you had to have SSI in order to qualify for Medi-Cal, but is that, is that not necessarily the case? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, my understanding is that in an ABLE account, um, if you do go over $100,000, let's say your account goes you know, to $102,000, your SSI will be suspended until the account drops below $100,000. Um, however, your Medi-Cal will not be lost. Interesting. Very interesting. So then what is the best way for someone to financially plan to provide for a lifetime of care for their special needs child? And I'm going to ask a second question because I think they're, <laughs> cause I think they're related. I think they go well together. What, okay. is the biggest, what is the biggest hurdle that families face in establishing that special needs plan for their, for their child or their loved one? Well, when, when you're looking at a financial plan, um, the first thing you need to do is, is sit down um, and try to you know, assess what are the costs of care going to be. Is your child going to require housing, um, someone to supervise them, um, a care manager, medical care, et cetera? And are these things that are going to be ongoing? Are they going to be short-term? Are they going to last for their lifetime? So you can kind of map out and, and determine what is the lifetime cost going to be to cover care for the next 50 to 75 years or more. And... If when you're looking at, you know, what are your sources of income and assets, um, if there's a shortfall there um, where you don't have enough assets to cover all these expenses, then we look at, you know, options um, that can be put in place, um, many different financial options to be able to build up wealth um, and create your own, you know, private uh, retirement plans. Um, you know, a private pension where money can come out tax-free, for example, uh, and also looking at, you know, if you should pass away, that there is enough assets uh, potentially through the death benefit of a life insurance policy that can be structured in a very specific way and structured inside the, the coordinated with the special needs trust so that, the again, there's no loss of, of any government benefits. Um, you know, I think the, the biggest hurdle that, that families face is really just not knowing where to start and who to talk to. You know, you know, do I talk to, you know, my financial advisor? Do I talk to my estate planning attorney? Am I going to be talking to the right estate planning attorney, somebody who does understand this area and has compassion and has the knowledge to understand the you know, the best way to, again, structure a plan that's really going to work, because that's the biggest problem that I see, is that people design plans that they just don't work the way they're designed to, 
and you know, and also I also see a lot of times that you know if you have separate advisors, that a lot of time one a lot of times one advisor isn't talking to the other, and there's no cohesive coordinated plan, and that's one of the real great benefits of working with us is that we do have expertise in so many different areas that we're able to put together the the very best plan for you both on the both legally and financially so that's well coordinated together what about the people who think that they can do this on their own is this something that they can do on their own and um, what are some of the common misconceptions that they might have in their mind about special needs attorneys that might prompt them to say you know what I'm just going to take care of this by myself (laughs) (laughs) well As you can probably, you know, see from, you know, just this very short podcast that this area is very complicated and this is definitely not something you should try to do on your own with a fill in the blank form or, you know, it it is true. I will tell you that, that a special needs trust is by statute, you know, it's, it's called a, uh, a D4C trust or a third party special needs trust. If you wanted to, you could go to the uh, I think it's in the Internal Revenue Code. You could, you could actually copy and paste the statute, and you've got a special needs trust. But you really don't have much more than that. And you know, sometimes that's what individuals and sometimes even unexperienced uh, attorneys do: is they just take a form that really does not, you know, it's kind of cookie cutter. It doesn't really take into account designing it again in a way that's going to work for the next 50 to 75 years. And it doesn't look at various things like, you know, what, what is going to be the appropriate housing and what kind of care am I okay with and what kind of activities do I want to get my child involved with and um, all kinds of things are addressed in there. It becomes, you know, about a 50-page document in some cases or more. And um, a lot of times we're, you know, we're designing this as a separate standalone third-party trust, which means that it exists today such that other family members can leave assets to it. So if you've got grandparents, if you've got aunts or uncles, you've got other individuals who might leave assets, which again will result in a loss of benefits that the trust exists now. So we just tell them, you know, change your your plan, change your beneficiaries, and leave it to the special needs trust instead. Did you ask me another question? I can't remember what the other question was. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, some of the common misconceptions about special needs attorneys. You know, that this is obviously sounds like something that someone would be better off having an expert help them do. Um, but uh, you can kind of fold that into the next question I was going to ask you. Um, if there are misconceptions that people have in their mind about special needs attorneys, and also, you know, what are s- some of the important things that they should consider when evaluating hiring an attorney slash financial planner to help yeah. them with special needs planning? You're right. The, the questions do go together because, you know, the, the misconceptions, you know, first of all, are that all any estate planning attorney who calls himself an estate planning attorney can properly design and prepare a special needs or supplemental needs trust. Um, so you do want to make sure that the attorney that you're working with has done quite a few of these and does have the 
proper knowledge and experience to not only design it, but to understand how to properly administer and manage that trust. And you're going to want to look at things, you know, like, you know, what kind of experience do they have in drafting these trusts? Um, you know, do they, uh, you know, actually understand the challenges that the parents have gone through or will go through? And, you know, the enough compassion um, to understand how this trust needs to be designed so that it really does support their child and provide that continuing advocacy that you're providing for for your child yourself. You know, other things to look at is, are they a, a certified specialist? Do they have reviews from other, other families or other attorneys? Um, you know, are they recognized as a super lawyer, which means that they are in the top 5% of all attorneys in, in California, um, for example, and if, uh, if they're out in another state, um, same, same, same thing as well, that they're in the top 5% in whatever state you're looking at. And so those are some of the things I, I would be considering as well. So this is all fantastic information and is applicable, as you say, in whatever state you happen to live in. You yourself, though, practice in California. And uh, tell me, how can our listeners reach you if they have questions or they want to know more? Well, um, you can call our office at 818-905-6088. You can also um, take a look at our website at EST, that's EST like a state, uh, PLAN.com. And um, by the way, um, there is a great guide on our website as well that you can download that talks more about special needs planning. Um, so I encourage you to go there and download our guide. And if you do call our office and mention that you heard us on um, uh, this podcast, uh, then we will waive any consultation fee that we would normally charge. Um, so we'll sit down with you at, at no charge um, just by having you know gotten a little bit of education and taken the time to listen all the way to the end of this podcast. (laughs) Well, that's good because it does help to have a little bit of education and be able to go in and at least begin the conversation with the right questions. So thank you for doing that, Jerry. And also thank you so much for your time and the very helpful information that you shared with us today. Oh, my pleasure. And and thank you for as well, Gilda, for, you know, this, uh, this honor of being able to do this and, uh, as I mentioned, also to hopefully this helps a lot of people out there because um, so many people have a loved one these days who has a disability and just doesn't even know where to begin um, starting to put in place a plan. And and like I said before, you know, the, the challenge is, you know, you're so busy trying to deal with everything today, racing around from an appointment to appointment that... You, you really don't stop to sit and think about, well, what do I need to do and plan for tomorrow? And, you know, the old adage, people don't fail to plan. They just plan to fail. So don't, don't plan to fail. Make sure that you do get this planning in place as early as possible and that everything is done, done the right way and that you have the peace of mind knowing that if something should happen, 
everything's going to be taken care of. That's great advice, Jerry, and thank you again. I also want to thank our listeners for spending a part of their day with us. I'm Gilda Evans reminding you to take care of yourself and that special person in your life.